Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese and for all our first time listeners, this is our free weekly episode which we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the big talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all your questions and also the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and you can become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. Okay, right, let's get into our review then of the of the past weekend. Uh, a big, big weekend for, for Napoli, who took a, um, uh, well, a, a massive blow really in the, in the, the race for the Scudetto. They've, uh, they're now six points clear after they won again. And Milan had a, had a huge, huge shock defeat to Torino. So there's plenty to talk about also with the chasing pack. So let's get straight to it. All right, we'll start with the Sunday night game. Milan unbeaten in 2022 away from home in league football. The only team in Europe's big five leagues that hadn't lost uh, away from home in their league. Uh, Actually, they they hadn't lost away from home in league football since November 2021. So we're now on, we're in October the 31st today that we're recording. So almost a year that they'd been unbeaten, but that unbeaten record has come to an end. A shock, massive shock, 2-1 defeat in Turin to, to Torino. Nima, I mean, this this, uh, this this comes as a huge, huge surprise, right? Well, not to me. I mean, I did warn last week that this is not going to be an easy game. Torino away under with under Ivan Juric is not an easy game away. Um, Ivan Juric's Hellas Verona is one of the few times Antonio Conte changed formation to adapt to playing a coach was against Ivan Juric. He played a 3-4-2-1 to match Juric because Ivan Juric is, in, is, is building, is, is, a very, is one of the best coaches in the Serie A tactically. He knows, he knows how to find weaknesses. He knows how to expose them. He's a disciple of Gasperini's high press, high, press, high intensity. And he's a pain in the butt to play against. It's, they don't give you a second to breathe. Um, and and, he, and they're so well organized defensively as well. Look, this guy is too good to be at Torino. With all due respect to Torino, I love Torino, you know that. But this guy is he's he's too good. He should be fighting for titles. He should be in in, in a club that's in the Champions League. I really believe that. I've, I've I've been singing his praises for a few seasons. Now I'm completely convinced. Just like I was back in seventeen eighteen about Simone Inzaghi, I want this guy to replace Simone Inzaghi when Simone Inzaghi leaves. That's how convinced I am. I think he is, the way he just, I mean, he's going up against Stefano Pioli, who is arguably one of the best coaches in the Serie A and has been for two and a half years consistently. And he just, he just completely exposes all the weaknesses. Um, Of course, you know, Milan, we got to start with them. They were poor. Let's not beat around the bush. This was a bad game by Milan. Absolutely. Uh, Rafael Leao, I think this was his worst performance for Milan in almost two years. 
I cannot remember the last time I've seen him so disinterested, poor, almost nervous, no bad concentration. Just didn't look, just look annoyed and grumpy and frustrated, negative body language. Um, I mean, it could be because he's tired. I think it's Milan's side are tired because they've played so much. But it was they, they just weren't mentally there as well. And I think that that's you know that, that's that's something you have to be. You have to hit every mark when you play against Torino because they can make life really difficult for you. Um, but yeah, I mean they're defensively. I mean I've I, I got a I like Gabia. I'm not going to hide. But this was a horrible game by him. He was dreadful. He made two of the. I mean he he made so. I mean both goals really uh, were schoolboy errors. Yeah. I mean what do you reckon? Well, yeah, the, the first one, he, he it, was a, it was a tricky one, the first one, because the way that Milan marked kind of zonally yeah. uh, and zonal marking is always a difficult one when you, who do you blame? Pieces, who do you yeah. blame? Uh, you know, putting individual blame on someone when you're marking zonally is, you, you know, you're always kind of collectively to blame a bit. But I think absolutely, you know, he was the one that should have, should have, should have picked Gigi up really, or should have been the man closing that, that cross down. Um, the second one, absolutely, there's no doubt about it. He was to blame. I mean, if you can't defend a, a goal kick straight from the from read the flight of the of the ball, and then he got beaten by Pellegrini with the header, um, absolutely, he you know he, he, he was. And this is kind of what I was saying. I and mean, the same with Tatarusano. I thought Tatarusano, the goalkeeper, uh, like Gabia, both of those two have been in really good form over the last few weeks. They've really you know stepped it up. And, you know, we've been singing the praise of Pioli, how he's getting the best out of these kind of players that are playing above their levels. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Gabia, Tatsuruzanu, uh, certainly Tatsuruzanu, but, you know, I'm not sure they're Milan-level players. And I think that, you know, as well as they've been playing recently, eventually, you know, you you regress to the mean. And I think that, they, they yeah, they, they, both, they both really cost Milan this game. Because apart from these chances, Serena didn't really have any other opportunities and so it came from errors from from Milan really and uh, I thought that Tatsurizano on both goals I thought he was a bit slow getting across to the first one and uh, the header from Gigi and the second one I think his positionally he was a little bit too far towards his near post and he gave too much of the of the far corner for for Milanchuk to put it into and like even if you see I know he hit it quite early but if even if you see where where the ball ended up, it wasn't like right in the side netting. It wasn't even really right in the corner. So I think that, yeah, Tatsuruzano, I think definitely you can look at him as well. I think if Mike Magnon's playing, I think he definitely saves one of those those two. Um, but but in general, yeah, I thought that pretty much the, the, the whole Milan team were bad uh, individually uh, and, and collectively, certainly. I thought probably maybe a little bit of tiredness there. They've had a lot of injuries in the last, four weeks to six weeks and they haven't been able to rotate much during that time and eventually that catches up on you maybe not straight away but the knock-on effect you know it, it does it does accumulate and I think that maybe that was why they were they lacked a little bit of freshness obviously they traveled to Zagreb as well during during the week the travel also plays its part but also I think that they probably had half an eye on the the massive game they've got on coming up on Wednesday against Salzburg uh, you know, some players just didn't really seem focused. Rafael Liao, that was the worst 45 minutes that I've seen from him in the Milan show. I mean, he was everything that he touched. I mean, he had the two big chances, but the second one, he just, you know, took his eye off the ball and he miskicked it. I mean, that, I mean, that was virtually an open goal when Brahim Diaz put it across to him. Um, 
But I, I would say, though, that I think that, you know, and I've said it in the last last few weeks, that Milan have been a little bit lucky in some of these recent Serie A games. And, OK, you can say it's luck or you can say it's it's just a sign of a winning team being able to win when not playing very well. But, you know, eventually, you know, you can't keep being getting away with with that. And I think this result was coming from Milan. You know, they were very, very lucky to win 2-1 at Verona. That I think they deserve to lose that game. Um, and they got, well, they, they ended up winning it. But then even against Monza last week, I think the scoreline flattered them. Um, you know, if you look at the amount of chances, you know, Monza had some big chances. And, you know, actually, if you look at the XG in that game, they, they actually had less uh, less XG than Monza in, in that game. They definitely, definitely didn't deserve to win by a scoreline of four to one. So, you know, I think I think this was a this was coming, this result. Um, but you have to, again, you, you still have to praise Torino. Um, you know, they, they went through that bad run. They've Now they've got two really impressive wins in a row. They beat... Udinese away, now Milan, three wins in a row in all competition. They, they, they you know, they've set the, the ship has, you know, steadied the ship. Um, and, you know, I think Miranchuk, he showed with the second goal that, you know, he is a player with a lot of natural talent. He doesn't show it. He's too inconsistent to be a player playing for a bigger club. And that's why he probably didn't make it at Atalanta. But he is a player with lots and lots of talent. He has got the ability to do this kind of stuff. He just wished that he'd show it more consistently. Uh, and the other player I'd like to single out is Pellegrini because obviously he became the was it the youngest player or the second youngest player in Serie A to ever score? Um, yeah, correct me. Something like uh, that. He yeah, was I sixteen. Remember. remember when he was sixteen? I, I remember scored, that. A Genoa, I remember, yeah. It was yeah. It was on Totti. I remember it was the, it was Totti, the game Totti retired, wasn't it? Or I think I think it was his last game of his career, if I'm not mistaken. But he, um, you know, he was sixteen anyway. And then he's obviously his career completely fell away when he went to Monaco and he got all those injuries and. And he's still, you know, he's still very, very young now. Was he 21, is he now, I think? And, and you know, he's still yeah, he's really... 21. 21. 22 in March. 22 in March. He's still really, really young. And he's at least, I don't want to say, you know, oh, he's, he's suddenly starting to show himself. But he's, the last three games, he started to do, you know, be decisive. He scored two goals. One goal against, uh, in the Coppa Italia, then one goal last week uh, against Udinese. And now we got the assist. Um, against uh, against Milan, and he, and he was a bit, he was quite a handful. I thought in this game, he he put himself about. He's quite physical considering how young he is, and so you know that's that's good. Let's let's see if he can if he can keep this up because we know that Torino's problem is their attack. They don't score enough goals. If he can, you know, st- start to develop, and then that will be great for Torino, but also I, could be great for Italy as well. I'm so glad you said that. Um, and he did he did score away against Roma, Totti's last game, 28th of May. Um, and he became the third youngest goal scorer ever in the top flight after Amadei and Gianni Rivera. And he became the first player born in the 21st century to score in the Serie A. And I'm glad you brought that up because I thought he was very good. I liked what I saw. I liked that he was... He looked like um, he looked like everything you wished he would become when he was sixteen. He had this kind of like natural, like my favorite kind of striker is a striker that's an opportunist in the penalty area. You know, the kind of striker that if he has half a chance, he goes for it and and he gets it on target. And P- Pellegrini is that kind of a player. I really like what they've got there, and and we know how good Juric is with young players. Um, so no, I, I'm I'm really looking. I'm I'm keeping an eye on him, and and uh, when I'm watching Torino, which I do every week. And if you aren't doing that, sort it out because Torino <laughs> are brilliant. Um, yeah. But but I I got to say on on Milan's goal though, that goal shouldn't have stood. Um, it was yeah. it, it was, uh, and and it's it's again it becomes about this issue about the VAR. Like what we have to remember is that the VAR can only ever recommend to the referee 
to to have a second look. They can't force the referee. The final decision always rests with the referee. Now, we don't have the communication between the two, but my guess, my educated guess is that the referee saw the situation and deemed it subjectively, the subjective call, that it wasn't didn't warrant enough, uh, that he, he saw the situation, didn't think it was a foul. In that situation, VAR can't even, rec- can't even recommend to look at it. Mm. Um, luckily, it was. It was. It didn't it matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. But uh, I think it's important to, to you know, you know, to 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 distinguish that. But which which kind of says a, a little bit about Milan as well. I mean, they did create chances, but and, and La Rafael Leao, like I said, and like you said, I mean, in my opinion, it was his, it wasn't his worst performance, but because I think in the beginning when he came to Milan, there were some real stinkers. But this was the worst performance since then because uh, he was just he was not in balance mentally. He was just not. His body, he just looked annoyed. Um, but certainly, was, in terms of finishing, it was he was he went back to the old Leo, the one yeah. that we used to criticise for being just you know the f- pool final ball and the pool final yeah. finish, and yeah. and yeah, that was that was the old Leo coming back. But like I said, I think it's I think it's maybe a bit of tiredness, but also I think he the focus on on Wednesday. I, I expect to see a Milan back to to their to their real selves on on Wednesday. I'm sure. Hopefully. I'm sure we'll Hopefully. see a reaction. I'm sure we'll see a reaction from him. Um, Hopefully. But uh, but just finally, Charles de Ketelier, I, I just wanted to single him out as well because there were some interesting quotes from Arrigo Saki who uh, I always think speaks a lot of sense um, when it comes to certainly with young players and, and the way that the game should be played. And he said of him, he's a confused boy. We have to be patient. He is afraid to play. He enters with the anxiety of having to demonstrate his value. Uh, and I think that's spot on. And we saw that again in this game that he just... Yeah, he just he just mentally he doesn't seem to be there. He he seems too shy. Uh, he doesn't seem to get involved. Doesn't seem to want the ball. He seems to like I said shy away from the ball, and that's the worst thing for a footballer when he doesn't want the ball, doesn't want to take, you know, doesn't want to show the personality and take command. And and yeah, it's it's becoming a it's becoming an issue now. It's because starting to become a bit of a problem. Like, what do Milan do with him? Do they just keep him out of the team for a while or, um, you know, I, d- I don't know because it seems like every time he comes on, it's just adding to the problem and he just is, he's just not offering anything at all in any sense. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit. No, bit I, I, I agree with that. I think it's, um, it's, I, I think they need to give him the, the Tonali train, uh, the Tonali treatment that, that Tonali got in his first season. He needs to, he needs. He's clearly. It's been such a big step going from Belgium to Serie A. I think they should. I don't think they should play him. I think they should rotate him in ever so slightly and just t- just don't play him until he's he's ready. The World and Cup sh- might actually come in useful for him. It'll give him a chance to just train. I'm not sure exactly. if he'll be in the. I'm not sure if he'll be in the World Cup squad for Belgium. I don't think so. Yeah, me me neither. It depends, yeah. but yeah, I think that could be a good good thing for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's move on to to Napoli then. Napoli make it lucky or unlucky. Number thirteen, we shall see. Thirteen wins in a row. Um, they're now because of Milan's loss. They're six points clear um, of uh, uh, at the top of the table. Uh, another crushing win, four nil, four nil win. Uh, and the big the big question now becomes: Are they now favourites to win the Scudetto? Still early days. Um, very, very early days, 12, 12 matches to go. And, you know, as we've said recently, they, they have had an easier start to the season than, than some of their rivals, certainly than Milan, although Milan lost to Torino, who are like, let's say they're not 
one of the seven sisters. Um, but you know, they've put themselves in a in a fantastic position, and they're just unstoppable right now. They're just breaking record after record. Um, if they, I mean, they they already have a club record um, already thirteen at least thirteen wins in all competitions. But if they were to beat Liverpool at Anfield, they'll become the first Italian team this century to win 14 games in a row. They're unbeaten this season. They haven't lost a game this season. 17 unbeaten in all competitions. And this this is incredible. They've now scored 50 goals. <laughs> 50 goals! It's October. They've scored 50. 50 goals already. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Insane. 50 by the end of October. 30, 30 of them in Serie A in 12 matches. 20 in 5 in the Champions League, they're averaging four goals a game in, in the Champions League. Uh, and as I said last week, they've got 16 different scorers this season, which is just ridiculous. Um, you know, some squads, back when we were growing up, some some teams didn't even use 16 men, didn't even use 16 players for the entire season, didn't even play 16 players for the entire season, let alone have 16 different scorers. Uh, and they almost had 17 different scorers. Because when Zanoli came on for, for Di Lorenzo in the second half, he, he almost scored towards the end and that would I was willing him on to score because that would have been that would have been 17 different scorers um so yeah they just what is it what else is there to say no there's Napoli? nothing more to say I mean their they're, they're, they're insatiable appetite for goal scoring is is is, 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 is it's just absolutely stunning and it's not just in the Serie A like you said I mean in the in, in the in the Champions League as well they just it doesn't matter if it's Liverpool or Monza, it doesn't matter. They they just go out there and they play their game. They play their four three three, four four two three one, um, between, you know, hybrid, you know, back ch- interchange between those two. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because they'll just bring somebody on off the bench. If it's Simeone who's stepping in for Ossiman, or if it's Raspadori playing as a false nine. I mean, it's Politano, Lozano, and Lachwicha, and then of course Ossiman, who's now shared top goal scorer in the Serie A. Finally, he's starting to show what I've, what you and me have been discussing and and praising the the talent that he has. He's starting to express. No, 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 no. Osimhen doesn't score against big teams. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. But I mean, it's it's no, yeah, it's 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 silly, isn't it? I mean, it's he is outstanding, um, and and he's starting to express that. And a hat trick uh, on the weekend, his first at Nap- in Napoli. Um, no, nah, he's he's really doing this. Like he's, he's every single one of them has been outstanding. I mean, and Spalletti, you got to give credit. Like he's rotating them really well, um, and and is still getting the results, which I think yeah. will only serve them uh, further on the season. Because because if you use so many different players and, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't impact or affect your results or how you play. That you know that, that creates a very good competition. That's exactly the point in the squad. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to make. That is going to be huge for later in the season because so many games this season. Uh, I should have made a note. I should have gone through them really, but you can, you guys listening, can have a look yourself. Have a look at the number of games this season that Napoli have been two or three up by half time. The game's already over by half time, and it's allowed Spalletti to just to take multiple players off in the early stages or the mid stages of the second half, and that's happened. Time and time again. I mean, like I said before, even happened against Liverpool. You know, he was bringing players on at home to Liverpool, and you know, resting players from the like the fifty in the fifty-something minute uh, against Liverpool. You know, the, the the vice European champions. I mean, you know, it's insane, really. And and they're also going to be compared to other teams, going to have more players not playing at the World Cup than other teams. They they don't have too many at the World Cup. So, whereas you might say on one hand the World Cup 
is going to come at a bad time for Napoli because when you're in such incredible form, yeah. you just want things to continue. You don't want to break. Also, having that time off might give up uh, opponents to study time to study them exactly. and work out how to stop them. You know, work out their little movements and stuff. Um, so that that is bad. But also at the same time, you know, Napoli don't have many players at the World Cup, and that that is that will help them later on in the season when you know fatigue and and you know everything starts to to accumulate. But um, but I think that really what we what you what we want to focus on the most with Napoli because even in this game. They did concede some big chances they in the did. in the first half. Anyway, Sassuolo will, will, will kick themselves because uh, Pinamonti showed why he he's not he's not going to and like you, you like you've all, you've always said he's not going to be a player a top player because you know he he he's he has his level and this maybe is his maybe he's this not even at this level. level maybe he's not even at this level to be honest with you he hasn't even shown he's at Sassuolo level so far it's still early days um, you know they had two huge huge one on one chances in in the first half and. And they and they blew them. But if you look at Napoli's attack, I mean, all those goals, but the attacking options they have, and they're all producing. It, like, it doesn't matter who they play in attack; they all produce. Uh, Ossie men, eight goals and one assist. Quara, eight goals and eight assists. In- incredible. Jesus I mean, Christ. no one doubts about it. he's been the best player in Serie A this season. Simeone, six goals. Raspadori, five goals, two assists. Politano, four goals, three assists. Lozano is the least productive of all of them, but he still has three goals and an assist. I mean, there's so many goals and so much creativity from creativity from all of those six. And even Zielinski's, I think he's got four goals this season. Mario Luis is an absolute assist machine. He's after Cavada, he's got the most assists for for, for Napoli. He's got five assists. He got another one uh, at, at the weekend. I mean, he he has improved. People like we were saying about Spalletti you know, the way that he improves players, but he even improves Mario Rui, who's 31 years old. Look how he has come on under Spalletti. So, you know, they're just the, the goals in this team, you know, is, is, is if somebody goes on a bad run of form, someone else can come in or someone's having a bad game, someone can come in and, and do it for them. And that, that that's what makes them so unstoppable. But anyway, what I wanted to, what I wanted us to debate here is, because I think that more than anyone else in this game, it was the Cavara Ossiman show. Oh, uh, Ossiman got the hat trick. Cavara got a goal and two assists. The two, to the two assists, the two assists for the first two goals of uh, of Ossiman. Is there a better duo in Italy right now than than Cavara, Scalia, and Ossiman? I don't think there's anyone who even comes close. Um, it's it's not even close. Lula was supposed to be. The you know going into the season, Lula. Lula. what the Brazilian president? No, Lula, the Lula. Lautaro and Lukaku. Oh, Lautaro. <laughs> they were supposed to be. What about Lula? <laughs> no, no, I mean it's 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 Lula, the Lula duo. You know, Lukaku Lautaro <laughs> was supposed to be going into the season. You you would have bet your mortgage on that they would have been the the best duo given what we've seen in the past. But, but Lukaku's barely played. He's played less than Dybala. I mean, we're going to discuss that a little yeah. bit later in the show. But I don't think it's not even close. I mean, eight, the, those two are just something else. Mm. Um, no one else comes near them. The way they can, the thing is that they can do everything. <laughs> they're both very good in the air. They've got they're, they're pretty ambidextrous. They can shoot and score with both with both their feet. Uh, technically, they're incredibly. I mean, you've seen they can dribble. They can do their man. Uh, Ossiman, they're, they're both physically strong. I mean, it's like, what do you do with them? You just can't. You have to be tight on them, or prevent them from even, or prevent Osimhen from even getting the, getting the ball. But the problem is that when he drops deep and then Kriča puts up, 
you know, pushes up. I mean, it's 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 just they are they are scoring for fun. They're really enjoying themselves. Um, and I don't think anyone. I mean, I would go so far as to say, well, they're not just the best duo in Italy, but they're definitely they're top three in Europe in terms of du- attacking yeah. duos. Yeah. Not just they're they're by far the best duo in Italy. I would go so far as to say, well, who's who's even better? Who's the better duo in, in all of Europe? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's difficult to find a duo because, I mean, Messi, Mbappe and Neymar have been absolutely ridiculous. They've been fantastic. They've been ridiculous. But, like, who do you pick as the duo? It's kind of like a trio, isn't it? You wouldn't say, uh, you know, Messi and Mbappe, the two of them, because it's like, well, you can't leave Neymar out of that. So it's difficult. And then I'm thinking Man City with all the goals that they score, Haaland. But who else would you pick to to, to go with Haaland? I mean, I'm not sure you would. Maybe, but maybe. I, I mean, but that's the thing, though. Yeah. But has he been that? I don't know. I don't think he's been that productive this season, Foden. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, so I, I don't really know. I don't know who else you could you could go for. I mean, Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, or mm, maybe yeah. they've been really great. But I don't know. I don't know. There's no one that you would take as an actual doer. But then you could say the same about Ossiemen and and Karlatskely in the sense that Ossiemen missed so much of this Napoli run. Uh, and exactly. he, you know, you know, and Napoli still did that all without him. But he's just come in and I think added an extra. He adds the extra dimension. I think to, to Napoli, like especially when it will come. Like if they really want to try and go deep, say in the Champions League, for example, and beat some of the bigger champ, big teams in Europe in a Champions League double header, then that's when someone like having Ossiemen in or or out of the team will make the difference. I think you know he he adds the the extra dimension. To, to their team um but it's it's, it's yeah i mean they're just just unbelievable the, the link up for, for those for those first two goals and they re- really are almost unplayable and they just they're just so relentless as well Aussie man is just can you imagine playing against him he's just a he's just a to borrow your phrase he's just a pain in the butt to, to play with he's just on you all the time hassling you harassing you pressing you and that's when he hasn't got the ball <laughs> you know it's uh it's, it's brilliant Fantastic. No, he is, and and I think we we, we can't like as no nap. We have lots of Napoli fans who who are patrons and, and listen to the show, and I know they you know you you Neapolitans because you are your family is from Naples or from from Campania, and I know you guys are really uh, like uh, what is it called superstitious. But you have to get used to it. You 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 are Scudetto favorites now. You can't play like this and break records and then try to hide away from the fact that you're your favorites to win the title. I mean, you just can't. I'm sorry. It comes with the territory. Own it. You are the favourites to win the title. Doesn't mean that you're now, but it doesn't mean that you're going to win the title. But if you know, it's it's uh, it, it, you are favourites to to win the title because no other team. It's not just that you're scoring. It's not just that that Napoli's winning. It's that they're playing so well as well. You know. Well, let's um, have a look, shall we? Let's see who are the odds favourites with the bookmakers, and let's see. Let's see who are the who are the favourites. Napoli <clears throat> are the favourites to win. They the, should to be. Win. I mean, it's, they are. They have to be because this, this isn't. I know, and I know what people are going to say. Yeah, but last season, but when did Napoli play this well last season when they were on a run? And last season they had more points than at this point. But at not 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 once not once did I last season say that Napoli were favourites to win the Scudetto because they didn't they didn't look like a team that was favourites to win the Scudetto. Yeah. Um, they didn't play like it. This season they are. I mean, just yeah. go and watch last season compared to this season. It's a completely different Napoli. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, and, and like you said, the depth. 
Four but to five. We have to, we have four to be to five, Napoli. AC Milan seven <clears throat> to two. Inter nine to two. We have Rome, to be... Roma fourteen to one. Atalanta sixteen to one. And Juventus are sixth favourites at twenty to one. Yeah, but look, we have to be honest though as well. Um, they do have depth in attack and in midfield, but defensively, I I do think that is their Achilles heel. Um, I think Juan Jesus. I like Ostigard, but I don't think he's still at that highest level. He's he's a good player. I really rate rate him. I do not rate Juan Jesus. Uh, I have had front row seats to that train crash. I've watched that dog eat grass for five years, and not not his biggest fan. But still, and and they are weak defensively. There are there are areas that you can hurt Napoli defensively, and I think that's where their um, that that's their Achilles heel, quote unquote, and not Sp- Luciano Spalletti, as some people claimed ridiculously on social media uh, uh, last week that Spalletti is, is, is Napoli's Achilles heel, uh, which is a ludicrous thing to say. Um, he's not. He, he's far from it. It's, it's their defence. But it's... Um, no, it's... Uh, they are... They are... I mean, they are just insatiable in, in, in goal. And like you said, they finish games off before the first half. <laughs> it's most of the time, which is just ridiculous. Mm, yeah. Okay. Right. Into then. Inter have their own brilliant run going on mm-hmm. at the moment. Not as mm-hmm. not as brilliant as Napoli's, but it's it's it's, it's getting there. They dominated Sampdoria three 0 win. They now have four wins in a row. Last seven games since that, uh, well, including and since that famous that win against uh, Barcelona, six wins, one draw in their last seven. Can they make a Scudetto challenge? Well, theoretically, yes, but I mean, in order f- for for them to be within, you know, for, for I mean, their scudetto credentials are, in my opinion, are going to be decided this coming week uh, or the next ten days. Because I think if Inter can be you know, are playing Juve away, Atalanta away, and Bologna at home in between that before the World Cup break, and to be honest, when you're eight points behind Napoli, you ideally need to win all those games and hope that Napoli lose four points to halve that deficit before you host. Napoli at the San Siro in, in the first game back after the World Cup in January. So, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll just have to stick a pin in that for the time being. But what is important, and, and as I keep saying uh, time and time again, for me, the most important thing is that Simone Inzaghi has shown he's passed an exam, as you, as Italians like to say. Um, he's, he's passed the exam. He's shown that he can handle a difficult, difficult period at a big club. I mean, the month of October started with an undeserved defeat against Roma, but since then, six wins, one draw. And it should have been seven wins because the draw came away, came against Barcelona away in a game that Inter should have won and were better. So it's been really, really good. Um, uh, so they've, they're in excellent form, but of course they've got injury problems. Lukaku, uh, Brozovic, but you know, he might be back. But Lukaku injury is real, really, is a big worry. It's a big cause of concern. Yeah, it is. So let, let's let's talk about Lukaku then. So he he's picked up a, a muscular injury. I, I'm not sure if it's, it's a, thigh, a thigh injury. Thigh it's a hamstring. thigh injury. Right. It's a so, thigh injury. He just came back from a hamstring injury, but now right. it's a thigh injury. Right. And he's obviously going to be out of the midweek game against uh, against Bayern. And and oh, well, I'm assuming if it's a muscle injury, he's definitely going to be out of the Juventus game as well. Surely. Oh, without a doubt, he's he's missing that. So um, I, I can give you the is situation. His, is his World Cup over? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because a good friend friend of the show and a friend of mine, a French journalist who works for France Football and and uh, L'Equipe, uh, Timot Pinon, he spoke with 
Lukaku's entourage. And uh, we published this on Simply Inter. And, and basically, I'm going to read the quote which he, which he said. And it says, According to Lukaku's people, this is not a relapse or a new injury, but we are talking about residual pain uh, from the previous injury, so there's no new tear. And this is quite common with muscle injuries where the mm. scars are usually significant. Um, uh, to, to be precise, the, uh, as, for, as for his World Cup hopes, he says, to be precise, the objective remains to play again with Inter before the World Cup because it would be very complicated for a player of his profile to do well in Qatar without having gained a minimum of rhythm. Um, but Inter, on the Inter side, uh, you know, we're waiting for the next medical test without being super optimistic. So that tells me that they, he's frustrated. Uh, it's quite obvious that Inzaghi is the one who's been trying to keep him, you know, trying to prevent him from, from coming back to action and give him time. Um, it's, it's a concern. It is a big concern. Um, because, again, already this season, he's played less than Dybala. Paolo Dybala, who everyone talks about as being injury-plagued and injury-prone, yeah. Romelu Lukaku has played less football than Paolo Dybala. And that's a problem. That is a big, big problem for Inter because they I, really need him. I think it's definitely... There definitely questions need to be asked whether this is the Lukaku that we're going to get now in as he gets older. He's 29 mm-hmm. now, going to be 30 this season. You know, same with... The same with Pogba, who we're going to, we're going to come to in a bit. You know... But this this is before joining Chelsea. I mean, I remember saying when during the first spell, how uh, first spell at Inter, how Lukaku just never used to get injured, and how that is massive weapon for for a team that's fighting for the title. That you've got a top class striker, and he's as good as Lukaku is slash was, and yet never ever misses a game. I mean, that is just that's absolutely huge. He missed 28 games in eight years before before joining Chelsea, um, which is which is incredible. I mean, that's that's just over three games, uh, three and a three and a half games a season <laughs> that he's missing. For eight seasons. For eight seasons. I mean, that is uh, during during his time at Inter, he missed eight games in in two years in his in his first spell uh, at Inter. And, and that just shows you how fit he was. And I don't think you can put it just down to Pintus because, like I said, no. this was this was this was happening before uh, Inter as well. He just he just never used to just didn't get any injuries. And when he did, they were just he was back in one or two games. Since he's returned to Inter, he's the game against Bayern Munich will be the twentieth uh, will be the twentieth game that he's missed. Sorry, since he joined Chelsea. The, the game against Bayern Munich will be the twentieth game that he's missed in the last year alone since last October. Twenty games, so he's, you know, he's almost reached reached that level, that number of twenty eight games in eight years already, yeah. just in a year, just on just over a year alone. Yeah, that yeah. that is a cause for concern. That is a big cause for concern. And I was, and I remember you bringing this up a few weeks ago, and I was a little bit, mm, no, let's wait and see. But now, yes, because Inter can't continue like this. Inter cannot go throughout the rest of the season and have their highest paid player be be injured all the time. Um, mm. And in January, I would bring, because there's no money, uh, I'd bring Martin Satriano in. Is he um, ready? Doesn't matter. I mean, this is the situation Inter are in. They can't afford to. I mean, I've already said on, on, the, on, the, on the Q&A pod, that's for patrons only on Tuesdays, when I was asked this question, who would I replace Lukaku with? I think Marcus Turan, that's the player Inter wanted and he got injured, he was on his way to Inter and he was injured, he'd be injured himself, otherwise he would have joined Inter instead of Correa 
which would have made me, which would have made everyone happy. But no, he injured himself. He ended up staying into went after Korea, who's been a, you know, he had a good goal, a world-class goal this weekend, but he's been largely a flop. Um, but yeah, for me, if Inter, Inter have to try, have to rekindle their interest in Marcus Turam in January, it's as simple as that, and try to bring him in, similar to what maybe Juventus did with Zakaria a few years ago. Um, yeah, that went well. No, no, I'm I'm talking about in the sense that his contract was expiring. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I get but you. but but I mean, look, but but I don't think Gladbach is going to let him go because he's, he's he's doing incredible numbers in the Bundesliga and he's he's, he's a complete machine. And I think in, and Bayern should, are interested as well. Well, of course, and that that's going to be really difficult. I mean, he, he, I mean, if, if why would Bayern go after Harry Kane when they can have Marcus Thuram? I mean, younger. Of course, Harry Kane is a bigger player today and a world class player, bigger bigger experience, etc. But that's not how Bayern work. Why would they, you know, why would they do that when they can get Taram, who's ripping the Bundesliga apart, and and can give them what they want? Uh, so Inter need to make a move on because look, if if they because because they have to get him. I mean, the Inter need Marcus Taram uh, badly um, because they, you know, next summer Jeko's contract expires. Lukaku, we don't know about his physical, uh, you know, how he is physically. Uh, and they only have Lauta, Lauta, and they don't own him. It's just a dry loan or, or a paid loan. And they only have Lautaro and Correa under contract. So mm. it's it's um, it's a serious, you know, this is a this is a cause for concern. Mm. Okay. What what is also a cause for concern is this whole absolute madness with the. And I know you feel very very strongly about this uh, situation with Inter's ultras. Um, so I would like you to just explain to everyone first what happened. That the fact that the Inter ultras they they staged a walkout during during half time against against Sampdoria. Well, it was early yeah. in the second half. Um, what I mean, what what happened was that um, during the three nil win against Sampdoria, around the fiftieth minute, um, the the ultras, uh, the, the the leaders of Inter's support group, Curva Nord. Um, they they ordered everyone standing in the north stand of the Miazza to vacate to vacate this stand immediately, and this was and the reason for this was to pay tribute to a former to an ultra to a former ultra boss or, or one of their who was one of their in their uh, circles a legendary leader Vittorio Boyocchi uh, who had been shot to death in Milan in what police described as an ambush earlier that night. He's, he was 69 years old, and he's been described in the Italian media as a historic head of the ultras. And he, according to various reports in Italy, he spent 26 years in prison for drug trafficking, theft, and kidnapping. Um, and they, and in order to honor honor him, the the current ultras bosses they vacated the stadium en masse, forcing everyone to leave, hurling insults, punches, kicks. And and threatened threats of violence to everyone, including women and children, um, and were forcibly removed from the seats during during this tribute to this man. Mm. I don't, I don't even. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know where to start with that. But I mean, first of all, why why would what's the idea behind commemorating someone by clearing out the stadium, regardless of of the of the whole innocent fans that, that have got nothing to do with him, uh, unrelated fans that have got nothing to do with this guy. Why would you clear out the stadium? How does that? This is their way. I mean, I don't know their honors. Their honor culture is 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 it's it's an honor culture thing that yeah. they have. 
Um, and I am absolutely the last person to ask about this because I have no interest whatsoever in what these Cretans do, say, and think. So I, I, I'm not interested in them at all mm. because I think that they are what's wrong. They embody what is wrong with Italian football. They get free travel, free tickets. Uh, everyone knows. Free access. Literally every, free access. Everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking, I've just Googled the, the, the person's name. That, yeah. that was shot dead and the first picture that comes up is him and Lukaku smiling together so well this is what i mean like th- this is what i mean <clears throat> that they <clears throat> they 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 we everybody in italy knows that the that the cor- how, what how things work in all of the corvas in italy yeah. um from you know from north to south it's v- it's v- basically a no go zone it's lawlessness they, it's drug trades, it's bootleg alcohol sold openly. Um, at one point, this guy, Vittorio Boyocchi, was earning, according to Italian media, 80,000 euros a month from this, yeah. from this, from, from his activities. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's everything that's wrong with Italian football. You know, it, it just summarizes it. The fact yeah. that they think that they have a special right to te- they think that they think that they own the club, basically. Yeah, they are the club because and they, they kind travel. of, in a way, they kind of do in terms of control, in terms of power well, because, and control, because the, the, they're almost they are almost untouchable. Really. Well, because well, because this started in the 1980s, and and it's like in the sense their power that their unchecked power started in the 80s, mm. um, and and since then they can do whatever they want. The police don't prosecute. The, the police don't don't. They worship. Do they they worship the old English fan culture. Yeah, uh, really, like that predates that. That goes yeah. back to like sixties, seventies. Yeah, very violent, the casual fascist, lifestyle, violent right wing fascist yeah. fan culture in England. You yeah. know that you would get like the right wingers and and BNP yeah. and, and no, this is and, this is who they are. Nationalists. And, yeah, I mean, it, this is who they are, and 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 this it's just and and the thing that drives me genuinely, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, are these you know min- mental midgets who say things like, well, you know, the ultras provide the flag-waving and the songs and the chants, as if song wave, song, songs and chants and flag-waving are in any shape or form correlated to criminal behaviour. I'm pretty sure you can have the atmosphere that German football stadiums have without the criminal elements. I mean, this is, this is so stupid when people say stuff like this. Yeah. And I'm glad that, that, you know, this has really caused an uproar in Italy. And the Italian Minister for Sport is spoken very vocally about it. And I hope they do something about this because make no mistake about it, these people are not popular in Italy. They are not. Mm. Most people despise them. I would say an overwhelming majority despise them. But because nobody does anything, the authorities don't, the clubs and the authorities don't do enough to to rein these people in, that Mm. people are scared of them. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre. Can you imagine if this were to happen? In, in a premier in the in a Premier League game, we're in the fiftieth minute. Suddenly, the North Stand is emptied by a bunch of thugs. Yeah. I mean, are we serious? Kicking and screaming and and, and in and, England, and, they only they only empty when they only empty in England when Man United are four 0 down in the in the derby. <laughs> That's the only time they empty. No, but do you know what I mean? Though it's yeah. it's absolutely bizarre, mm. and it's 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 disgusting because they they it's 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 just a it's a perfect microcosm. Of everything that is wrong with Italian football, and and the yeah. sooner 
you know the ticketing as well the, the way that they control the that, tickets yeah. and the merchandise which obviously doesn't help um, in, in everything commercially but, yeah. but I remember trying to get a ticket for the, the Champions League final in in 2017 I wish I hadn't actually I had to pay over a grand for for a grand is a, a thousand a thousand pounds I had to pay over a thousand pounds to get a ticket for that Champions League final I had to go through through an ultra to, 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 I'm at know, Juventus. To, That's to Juventus it, yeah. who are playing in the Champions League final. Like just yeah. to understand how big of a serious problem this is. And I had, is- and, and obviously, I don't want to, you know, I had contacts, you know, so you know, and I could, I could own, I had contacts, and the only way I could get a ticket was was through and up through through the ultras, through like the head ultras, one of the heads actually. You know, so you know to go. I wish I had it now. <laughs> Waste of a thousand pound, but um, but you know, it's um, that kind of. I mean, they've obviously, and that's actually one of the areas that I do actually sympathise with Andrea Agnelli in 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 the way that you know. Well, he tried he, to combat. He's tried. Him. He's tried to combat it, uh, and but it's, it's a difficult one that because how do you do? How do you go? How do you go about it? You know, but he can't. You know, this is the thing. He needs. You can't the, fight the forced... it alone. No, exactly. You know. But you need the police. You need the state to go in there, yeah. and 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 to you know, society, Italian society has to take a stand against these people. It's as simple as that, um, because it's complete lawlessness. They do what they want, how they want, when they want, however they want, and nobody can say anything because if they do, they'll kill you. I mean, it, 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 this is these they're, they're domestic terrorists. Let's be honest, and and something needs to be done. Because this is an absolute joke and it embarrasses Italy on a global stage. And I don't know how many people I've spoken to down there, friends, family, colleagues of all ages, who all are just completely fed up with this, completely fed up with it, and say that we're tired, but nothing's going to change because the police don't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Let's move on to Juventus now. And Juventus... The kids save save Allegri. Juventus is Juventus is youngsters. Uh, when would we ever? I mean, the irony in that in that statement. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. I mean, Juventus. The name is is about youth, isn't it? it derives from youth, and it is. Well, yes, youth. but it's also known as the old lady. So yeah, <laughs> you know, well, like, yeah, well, yeah. No, but you, seriously, it's it's just. I mean, Miretti, Sule, Iling Junior, Fagioli. They have Cambiasso and uh, um, Rovella out on loan. There's, there's. I mean, they've got Chiesa, who's you know he's, he's Italian, but he's young by Italian standards. Um, but um, <clears throat> no, it's look, Juve have something interesting. I, I don't know how old Gatti is, but he's not too old, is he? Twenty-four. So, yeah, he's twenty-four. So, I mean, listen, look, uh, I think that we saw in the closing stages of the the game against Benfica midweek that basically Allegri gave up on the game and he. Took off Lauovic and he, you know he he started resting players and he just threw on the youngsters and they they did blimmin well and almost almost got a, got a draw out of that game. Illing Junior came on, basically got two assists. Sule could and should have got the equaliser. Um, you know, so Juventus, you know, they do have some interesting youngsters, but you know, in order for them to develop, they need the right coach. Allegri obviously isn't the right coach, no, but in, in in this game, I mean, Fagioli, come on, he's barely been given a chance this season. He scored a fantastic goal, a brilliant, brilliant goal, top goal, goal of the weekend, let's say, and one of the you know one of the best goals of the season so far. It really was a quality, you know, almost a Del Piero like kind of curler, wasn't it? The way that it or a Baggio like curler into the into the top corner. 
Uh, it, was it was such a beautiful stunning. moment because he One meant of the so goals of the season, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and he meant so it's... much. It meant so much for him um, as well. Uh, Ilan Junior, okay, he got the assist. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it really was that much of an assist, but you know, he come on um, uh, and made. Those, you know, he came on and made the difference along with Fajoli. Uh, and you know, it was an I... assist. It was an assist similar to what because uh, Acerbi got an assist for Correa's goal. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he gave him. He passed him on his just outside his own box, and then Correa runs for sixty-five yards and scores a screamer. But he's yeah. still an assist. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I remember Harry Kane once got an assist for, for Tottenham when when Son went on this run where he beat about five players <laughs> and scored, and, and Kane got the assist for it. Um, but you know, the way I look at it now is that Juventus. Just play the kids now. You know, Miretti, yeah, Fagioli, Sule, who I'm not sure about. I mean, I like him. I think he's got a lot of technical quality. I'm not sure if he's got the pace. That's the thing. But, you know, he's young and he definitely has the technical qualities and he's definitely comfortable on the ball. But I'm just not sure whether he's quick enough. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he could change position. Uh, Illing Jr., but he's out for 20 days now. Um, he's been really promising. Gatti, who I actually thought was excellent against Lecce. I thought he, I thought he was maybe Juventus' man of the match, actually. Uh, Cambiasso, why not bring him back in January? I just think you're better off playing with these players than the seniors. And the reason for that is simple. We know that the seniors aren't good enough, uh, under Allegri anyway. We know that the seniors aren't good enough. What is the point of every week playing the players that have been failing for for 15 months now? Alexandro, you know, McKenney, uh, you know, even Rabiot to an extent. I know he's gone through a good run of form. Um, you know, these kind of players, Moise Keane, I know he's still young, but, you know, we've, we've tried these players and played these players so much. We know that they're not, they haven't been getting the results. So why not just play the youngsters? At least they're, you know, at least they, they bring a little bit more of the unknown. And if they don't end up being good enough, well, what's the big deal? You, you're going to no, fail. You can, with the, them you can fail with play. the seniors or you can fail or you can maybe fail well, with the and youngsters. And also the thing is, the thing is failing at Juve as a 19, 20 year old, whilst getting experience at Juve is me, you, that still raises your market value. You can still cash in on that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so for me, it's just a no brainer for you. And I hope that Allegri decides to, to, to stop being so, so stubborn and pick weird fights. Um, but I mean, again, I don't think he's, um, I, I don't think he's going to stay at Yoga. I really, the more I see of this, I, I really think that they will try to discuss with him and see if they can, you know, c- come up with some sort of payment scheme to get rid of him and, 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 and try to bring someone else in during the world cup because yeah. it's not, I don't think what, he's what made me sad. laugh. Can I just, can I just say on Allegri that this, this, this will make you laugh. The fact that Allegri actually criticized, Fajoli for being out of position uh, <laughs> when he when he did you see that that was yes, so good he was he criticised um, Fajoli for being out of position when he scored his when he scored his goal so basically Fajoli went against uh, Allegri's orders he's um, not helping I, I understand why he said it but he's not helping his case is he <laughs> well, I mean that's just the point isn't it I mean you know he wouldn't have scored that goal if he hadn't have, you know and I think that. That's, I think that's kind of what the, these youngsters will bring uh, until they get it, co- ho- hopefully won't get it coached out of them by Allegri, is that they no, bring this kind of unknown and this kind of unpredictability. You know, but that's one thing that's one we've actually seen from them in these, in these last two games, actually, including in those last 20 minutes against uh, Benfica, is that Juventus was suddenly, again, in those last 20 minutes against Benfica, okay, you can say maybe Benfica took their foot off the gas, they thought they had the game won, but still... You know they were there was they were unpredictable Juventus. They were moving around positions. You know when you watch Napoli play, 
you know, and Spalletti said that there's no such thing as formations and positions anymore. It's all about just move, attacking the spaces, moving into the spaces. And you see that with Napoli, that their players just move around all over the place when they're in attacking phases anyway. And, to, you know, to a lesser extent, Juventus, with these kids, that they were, because they played with freedom and the joy of youth, you know, they they, they weren't rigid and, 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 and you know... Look, well, look, that's true. But at the same time, what Juventus fans like yourself have to understand is if you play the kids, you might not even make it to Europe this season. I'm not talking Champions League. I'm talking Europa League or Conference League. And if you're OK with that and play kids, fine. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but, no, I, I see that, that there is a dilemma there. My, my only point is that Juventus are failing. If, look, if Allegri is going to stay and, on, and he just keeps playing the same seniors that he's been playing for the last 15 months, Juventus is not going to get in the top four either. Well, I mean, we've seen, the, the, just look at the run that they've been on and the, the performances and the results and the metrics show that. But, what, but point, what is the point of just playing the same people that are just failing game after game? There's no going to be no progress doing that. But this so, is the thing. But here's the thing, though, because if you look at the table, um, Napoli are five points clear of Atalanta, but Lazio and Inter have 24, and Juve have 22, and fourth and fifth, Lazio and Inter on the same point. So Juve are thereabouts. So yeah. my point is simply that, you know, as if you're okay with, with not being in Europe at all next season, and you're willing to gamble that, and you're prepared to take that gamble, then yes, by all means, play the kids. Well, because... I'm, not saying, I'm not saying play the entire under-19 team. I'm no, saying I'm just that, saying, yeah, but if you, you gonna... know... No, I'm I saying that these guys, that. some of these guys, are, 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 are better than the, than the senior players. That mm. you should play them. Who would you rather mm. have in midfield, McKenny or Moretti? Without a doubt, I'd Miretti. rather give Moretti but a chance. I, yeah, but Moretti, but, but to be fair, McKen- to be, I, I understand that. You know, I understand that. Jolly scores an absolute wonder goal like that. Does he not deserve more chances? But you have to also all the just five minutes a game. You have to also. But again, it also comes down to the manager as well. Yeah, but Spalletti was the manager. I'm sure a lot of these youngsters would be playing. They would soon be improving. But under Allegri, you know, it, it comes down to the manager. It comes down yeah. to the manager as well. But you also, yeah. but you also, but, have but to... you know, if there is one thing that we can say about the last few years with the Juventus is that they have at least started to develop some youngsters. And now, uh, you know, the Juventus has been disastrously run in the last years, uh, but they have produced some young. You know, the youth team has started to do better. I mean, they got to the semi-finals of the UEFA Youth League, the under-19s last season. They were knocked out on penalties in the semis by Benfica. And they got through their group this season. They actually knocked out Benfica uh, of the of the groups um, as well. And you know they've been developing and producing some of these players, like the ones you know we've just been talking about in um, you know in the last year in the last year or two. And uh, you know, so I think that you know the okay the under twenty three side. I mean, that is a debate. They're still in Serie A. They haven't even managed to get up to Serie B. They finished eighth last season. They've only won three of their. Lo- first 10 Serie A games. So I think there is debate over how well that, how successful that has been. But in terms of the actual youth development, they are, they are doing a lot, lot better. Um, it's just now whether they can, the pathway to the first team, it's, that's the big question now. Okay, we have to speak about Paul Pogba here because he has suffered another injury in training just as he was coming back from his previous uh, injury, uh, surgery. Uh, he's suffered a, a thigh injury that is expected to keep him out for at least 10 days. Uh, that means that he's probably, almost certainly, not going to play for Juventus uh, until the World Cup. We'll have to wait and see just how serious it is and whether he can go to the World Cup. Uh, I think that it's um, 
very, very much at risk that he will go to the World Cup because, you know, the World Cup squads are announced on November the 13th. If you're Didier Deschamps, do you take Paul Pogba to the World Cup when he's not played this season? He's not actually played competitively because of that injury that he got at the end of last season with Man United since April the 19th. So you're looking at seven months without playing competitive football. The only football match of any kind that he's played was 45 minutes in a friendly for Juventus in the summer against Guadalajara. Played 45 minutes in their first friendly. Then he got injured the next day in training. Um, and then, of course, you know, that was his knee, wasn't it? He tore the meniscus in his knee during the preseason training uh, in the US. Uh, and uh, they tried, ridiculously tried this conservative therapy, didn't they, That to try and see if that he could play, uh, carry on playing. That inevitably, as everybody knew, didn't work. Uh, eventually he had to go under the knife, uh, he had the surgery and uh, he, he was just on his way back and he was aiming to, to play this weekend actually. The, the, the aim was either the intergame or, or next week so that he would get some minutes before Deschamps names his, his World Cup squad and now he's, he's, he's had yet another setback and this, this, this injury crisis for Pogba is... it's. Um, it's a huge, huge worry, uh, as we were discussing with Pogba. But, you know, he's 29, Pogba, just like Lukaku is. 30 during this season, just like Lukaku. And you look at his recent injury record and you do have to ask the question, you know, are we seeing, witnessing the end of Pogba's top-level career? It, is his top-level career over? I'm not saying it is. He's obviously an incredibly gifted player. But... The number of injuries that Pogba has had over the last three years in particular, this is the 10th, 10th different injury that Pogba has had in three years. He's now, as, we've spoke, as we're speaking right now, he's missed 101 games during that time. 101 matches. That's just for club. That's just for his club, by the way. That's not even included in the national team. 101, over 100 games he's missed through injury in the last three years. Um I mean, what do you think, Nima? I mean, is this have we seen the end of Pogba as a as a top player? Um, I think his physical status the last three, two, three years would suggest that, wouldn't it? I don't think his ability uh, that he's been that there's been a decline in his ability. I think, uh, I think, given the kind of player he is, I think he's he's got the style that he could probably go. He could play for well into his thirties if he didn't, if he wasn't so injured. But having said that, um, I do think that given the injuries, which we can't discard um, as you know what they are, I think maybe yes. I think it's it's his body can't take it anymore. I'm happy. I'd gladly be proven wrong because I think when he's fit and in the right midfield, used in the right way, I think he's one of he's a fantastic player. I really do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a big, big shame. It's a big, big shame. But it it's also the reason why you know. And I hate to do a, another. I told you so. But this is no, why. you don't. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why I said during the summer when Juventus signed him on a free transfer. You know, don't. Why are all Juventus fans? We're well, not all. There's quite a lot that were against it. But why are, are so many people jumping up and down and getting excited about about signing a player that that's missed over? I think it was around about 75 games uh, through injury in two and a half years at the time. I mean, 
you know that, that, that it's just it's just basic logic you know you don't miss that number of games and that number of injury have that number of injuries repetitively unless there's something clearly wrong and, and, and it's not right and you know Juventus got him on a free transfer but they also paid him big big wages and you know he was signed to be the player that that took them to the next level in midfield and by signing him instead of somebody else they they now have to make do without that midfielder that they needed um so obviously i hope that he comes back in 2023 and and he and and he you know becomes uh, the player that Juventus need and he gets back to his best and he's fit and everything but you know, three years of just constant injury after injury. There's obviously something not right with his body and he's breaking down and maybe it is his age. Um, you know, he's not that old, but he started quite young. Um, you know, he was already a superstar by the age of 21, wasn't he? And and so, uh, you know, it's, um, it is very, very concerning. But just as concerning is, I think Pog was at the wrong club if he wants to sort out his injury situation because... Juventus's injury crisis right now is becoming <laughs> it's becoming an absolute joke. I mean, you just go on the just go on social media, go onto Facebook, onto, onto Twitter, and just see all the memes and the jokes that are going round. I mean, I don't know how, by the way, the Juventus Juventus uh, medical team and haven't been there hasn't been a massive purge of them with a number of injuries because that is the common denominator throughout all of this. You know, Juventus go into this PSG game in midweek with fourteen without fourteen first team players. 14. I mean, can you actually believe that? 14. It's insane. And and No, it's bizarre. The repeated it's, muscular it's injuries. Genuinely bizarre. The muscular injuries as well yeah. is the big one. There's been so many muscular injuries which has to be put down to the medical team when you get in that many muscular injuries. In my opinion, you know, there's some injuries mm-hmm. that can just be unlucky, you know, contact injuries. You can't do anything about contact injuries. You know, even sometimes if you twist your ankle or twist your knee, Sometimes you can't do anything about those. They, those those injuries can just happen. Obviously, some some players are more physically prone, uh, injury prone, you know. But to get repeated muscular injuries, and the, also when you look at the lack of conditioning that Juventus team has had, and how they're completely incapable of of maintaining any kind of intensity for more than twenty or thirty minutes in a game, and how many times they've completely fallen away in in matches, uh, you know physically in the second half, uh, I think it all comes down to the same thing. And that is the Juventus' medical team is completely failing. You don't have 14 first team players out. And then, you know, the next next most amount of injuries in Serie A is six with Roma, with Roma six. So they're absolutely way out, way out in front with the number of injuries in Juventus. Let's move on to Lazio. So Lazio had uh, a shock defeat to to Salernitana. I mean, what the hell happened there, Nima? Um, no, I mean it was one of those games where um, Vecino had two sitters. That if he scores at least one of these, I think Lazio go on and win it. Um, but the the comp- the momentum of the game changed completely after Candreva scored in one of the most beautiful goals I think <laughs> of the round. I mean, it was a wonderful weekend for for glorious goals. We saw two world-class goals in Inter's win against Sampdoria. Bastoni's pass to Barella, which was carbon copy of his pass to Barella against Juve in the Scudetto winning season. <laughs> I remember that when some people were saying that was a that was a mishit pass. Uh, keeps hitting, mishitting those, doesn't he? Um, as for 
as for Lazio, uh, yeah, and, and also Correa's 65-yard run and, and, and then, you know, Fajoli's dream goal. But Candreva's goal was, I mean, that control, the first touch control and the lob was just absolutely stunning. And that really changed the complexion of the game. Um, and, 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 the, uh, and, and Lazio started looking frustrated, started looking annoyed and, and, and just didn't, you know, mentally kind of collapsed a little bit, and which we've seen them do a few times a season against Mithuland, especially away when they were, I think they lost 5-1 or 5-0, um, mm. in the Europa League. Uh, they, they do have these kind of mental collapses. Yeah. Um, once in a while, and and uh, no, but but I mean, you know, he didn't. Sarri didn't start Sergei Milinkovic Savic. He started Luis Alberto, played a wonderful assist for Zakani's opening goal. Um, but then, but then Zakani's he brought Sergei Milinkovic well. Savic off. Yeah. No, he is, but but then he but then he brings on brings Alberto off and brings Sergei Milinkovic Savic on, and he gets booked. The reason he didn't play him is because he didn't want him to get booked to miss the Rome derby. So he brings him on, they lose the game, and he's booked, and he misses the that Rome derby. So that was a ridiculous decision by the referee. Yeah, but we're talking about ref- referee yeah. decision. That was even that was the worst refereeing decision of the of the round. That was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, okay, yellow cards they can't be overturned, and you can't use VAR for for yellow cards, but you know, you see, you see a decision like that, and that, that you know, that is such a big decision for the Rome derby because that's, that's going to make that's going to have a huge impact on the outcome of the derby. My, my issue is my, the, the, the the way I look at that situation is at first when I saw it in in live, I thought mm, that doesn't that that's a that's a strange call by the referee. But then you see the replay, you can understand why he gives the yellow card. Um, but regardless, had Sergio Milinkovic Savic not been suspended for the Rome derby, no one would be talking about that yellow card uh, because it wouldn't have mattered. But I do agree. So, so that's so it's one side or the other side. But I do agree with you personally. I don't think that's a booking. I, I really don't think so. But but when you see on the replay and how he, he hits him, you can you can argue you can see why the referee thinks that. But I mean, I don't know. I I still think it was a it was a bad decision. Um, and and yeah. it, to me, Awful, she should yeah. be because I mean, you have to take you have to take intent. In, I mean, he's got he's not he's not going after him. Uh, he's not trying to injure him. He's trying to go after the ball, and he's kind of got the ball there. Uh, with I mean, it's, it's it's a mistake. But I don't know. I think I think a yellow card is a bit harsh. I would have given a free kick for Salernitana, sure, but not a yellow card. I thought that was a little bit too much. But again, I mean, I, I put this on Sarri. Why why did you even bring him on then? You know, because. <laughs> Nothing, you do, you got no points and you've lost Milinkovic Savic for the derby. No, no, and, and this is kind of why I think that you can't you can't rest players to stop them from getting suspended. You just have to just play them, play them from the start, full stop, and and, and done. You know, yeah, uh, dead rubber game. If or if you're game, going to, or if you're going to, if or, yeah. exactly, 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 yeah. or if you're like, going to start, yeah. or if you're going to rest them, then you know, just okay, fine, we lost this game. Don't yeah, you know, yeah. the Rome Derby is a bit more important against yeah. than Salah. Yeah, no half, no, 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 we no, have half, to, no halfway house. Yeah, no, but you have to. We have to pay tribute to Davide Nicola, who, I mean, the what has he done with this Salernitana since taking over? About well, it's not even been a year, is it? Um, yeah. Or it's been just thereabouts. You know, mm. from from shoot, you know, the great escape, escape to throwing shoes on the sidelines. The, you know, it's, it's just I, I, they're such a, they really are a lovely team to watch, and especially like they're, they're such an, they're such a fun team to watch, just with all the madness going about them, and also, especially at home, they have such amazing fans 
So no, I really have a, have a soft spot for Salernitana. No, and they've got some good play. They've got some good players as well. Mazzocchi's having a fantastic season, and and obviously mm. Kandreva, who I oh, I've I've always said I think he's been really criminally disrespected and underrated during his during his career. I've always thought he's a he's an excellent player. I know Inter fans there was a bit of a love hate relationship there with him, but I've always thought he's a he's a he well Lazio fans as well. Yeah, and then Bulai Diaz having an excellent season. He scored again as well. He's been one of the signings of yeah. the of the season so far from 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 Villarreal. Yeah, he yeah, he's been fantastic. He's got five goals now in, in Serie A. One of the top scorers yeah. in the yeah. in the entire league. So yeah, well understand. Right, we'll quickly go through the rest of Serie A just before we finish off with uh, with the Champions League preview. So Empoli nil, Atalanta two, Atalanta second in the table, and they will play this weekend. They play against um, league leaders Napoli. Napoli. We'll do a proper preview of that on Thursday's show because that is going to be a fascinating game. But they were they were excellent in this game. Totally deserved to win. They missed a penalty as well. Lukman scored a really... You were saying about great goals this weekend in Serie A. He scored a wonderful mm. solo goal. Um, he's he's really he having did. an excellent season. I think he's got four goals in his last five games now, uh, Lukman has. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's really, really doing well. Very, very modern player. And really good in tight spaces, flexible, uh, good final ball, good awareness. Um, he's do, doing great. Really kind of fits into Gasparini's type of football perfectly. The whole kind of you know pass and move, and 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 he's yeah he's doing he's doing great. Uh, Cremonese nil, Udinese nil. Alvini just about I think is going to survive uh, again. Um, he he got some uh, yeah bought a little bit of time with that. Udinese starting to slow down now, aren't they? Um, after their they're really, really strong start. They're now, mm. I think they're level with Juventus now, I think. So they're, yeah. they're, they're starting to, to move down the table. And then Fiorentina got a late winner from um, Arthur Cabral and they beat Spezia 2-1. And um, Spezia, I think, were unbeaten at home before before that game um, this season. So that was a that was a big, big win for Fiorentina because they've been in terrible form in, in Serie A uh, in recent weeks. Okay, uh, let's move on to the Champions League preview now. So it's match day six, final match day of the group stage. We have Liverpool Napoli on Tuesday, Bayern Munich Inter as well on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday Milan Salzburg and Juventus PSG. Now Liverpool Napoli, first of all. So Napoli already through. They just need they need to avoid defeat by more than three goals in order to finish top. And they've got 100% record, 15 yeah. points. Liverpool got 12 points, four wins. And so Liverpool need to win by four clear goals to go through. It's at Anfield, so anything's possible. We know there's not a tougher place to go in Europe on do or die European nights than Anfield when you've got that crowd behind them. So it's going to be it's going to, look, it's going to be another big test of Napoli to see to see where they're at mentally. Uh, poses a dilemma to them and to Spalletti do they play their strongest team do they rest players they've got Atalanta who have a whole week's rest you know it's, 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 it's a difficult one difficult to know what they do in this game how strong they go who they play or does it even matter who they play uh, I don't know but it's, I don't uh, think I, I don't think I mean it's we're talking about not losing 4-0 and I don't think the. I mean, Liverpool are through. Napoli are through. Obviously, Liverpool want to win the group, but it's not a knockout stage game where, you know, Liverpool against Barcelona. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think it really matters that much. Obviously, you'd rather win the group, but I don't think Klopp is gonna like go gung ho and and like come on, you know, f- fire up his team to like as if they're playing the Champions League final or a semi final or something like that. 
I think yeah. he's got bigger fish to fry right now. But but Liverpool. But I I yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just I just have a feeling this game is going to end in a draw. Yeah, Liverpool Liverpool are in are in well relatively are in a crisis right now. They lost at home to Leeds at the weekend, and they just don't yeah they don't seem to be the same team this season. They lost to they've lost two Premier League games in a row. They no. lost to lost to Nottingham Forest away. I mean, what the hell is going on there? Yeah. Um, and but then you know they no. they beat Manchester City though just like two weeks ago they beat Manchester City at home. So it's 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 very very strange not to know what to what you're going to get from Liverpool. In fact, they've beaten Manchester City twice <laughs> this season. They beat them in the the start of the season as well in the in the Charity Shield game as well. So it's it's yeah it's, it's going to be good. It's still be still it's always good watching Napoli. Uh, Bayern Munich in. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to play for in this game. It's a uh, no. it's a dead run. And, uh, and already top. yeah yeah and already Bayern coach has said he's going to rotate heavily. Uh, I'm pretty sure Inter are going to do the same. Uh, there's nothing to play for. High score. Bayern have already won the group. No, yeah. if if you, it's going to be a friendly, it's it's a it's a glorified friendly, is what it is. I'll, I'll predict a two-two in this game. I think there's going to be goals from both yeah, teams. something like that. Juventus PSG. Yeah. Now Juventus basically need to need to equal or better the result of Maccabi Haifa in order to to go into the Europa League. Uh, they're playing PSG. I mean, yeah, I, I well, here's Benf- the thing though. Benfica, actually, hang on a minute, because Benfica can win the group. And Benfica will be going after. Yeah, so they're going to go after Maccabi to win the group. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, that's my point. So (laughs) it's it's quite the predicament. Juventus are going to lose the game, obviously, but I'm just saying they need to to better the result of of, of Maccabi or or equal it in terms of goals conceded. This is what it's come to yeah. now. They've got they've got a bit of an advantage over <laughs> Maccabi over. So hopefully, <laughs> this is what it's come to with Juventus. Let's just try and lose by less goals oh. than, than Maccabi. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's like I joke. I joke. Oh, I joked with some of my friends on 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 Saturday Saturday afternoon when when Sassuolo were getting hammered by. By Napoli, I go. Oh, this is a great result for Juventus. It, it means that they keep their five four point lead <laughs> over Sassuolo in ninth. It's a great result for Juve. This is kind of how we've lowered our expectations now, right? Uh, okay, oh, and the big one, obviously, oh, the big the big one, obviously, is Milan, Milan Salzburg, um, mm. Milan Salzburg. The they they need a draw. Milan need a draw against yeah, Salzburg. Minimum draw. Minimum yeah, draw. it's not an easy game because Salzburg have been competitive in all their games yeah, in this group, including against Chelsea. They drew away at Chelsea one all, and to be honest, you know it could have gone either way. That the the game last week against Chelsea, which they lost two one, and obviously they drew one all with Milan in the first game. So, you know, no one should expect this game to be a, an easy game for Milan. It won't be. I I I'm confident that they'll they'll show a reaction. I think they had half an eye on this game. Um, Pioli's rested some of their big guns quite a bit. I mean, Giroud only played a little bit at the end against Torino. Liao got half got half a, half the match off. Um, you know, Tonali didn't play the last 20, 25 minutes or so. You know, Benacer only came on, didn't he, in the second half? So, you know, they're getting Kaya as well. I think didn't play. So he has been resting up quite a lot of his players. And I think that they they hopefully that they have to win. If they don't go through, then 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 it's a huge, huge failure for Milan in terms of their project of improving season by season. Okay, 
Right. Uh, let's finish off with Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Right. I've got two Baggios. No. I've got... Um, um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I've got two Baggios. I, I was going to put one of them in for the Prem Face. So, so my first one is Deserbi for He finally got his first win for, for Brighton, beating, beating uh, Hot Potter. <laughs> beating Potter for Chelsea, 4-1. Uh, the former Brighton manager, um, so yeah, that's my that's my badge of the week. And he's done, he's been unlucky really. To say he's had a really tough start in terms of fixtures, and also some of the results just not going his way. Uh, drawing that a little bit, he's got done well in the big games. He's, he's doing exactly what he did with Sassuolo De Zerbi, performing well against the big teams. He drew at Anfield three or should have won that game. Beats Chelsea four one at home, but then gets bad results against some of the smaller teams. So it's all. Bit of a strange one, which is my my badge. My 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 badge is former Napoli, Inter, and Bologna, and also Monza uh, play, defender uh, Massimo Tarantino, who is um, he's the he, he he's the current uh, I think he's the current technical director at SPAL at Joe Tacopina's SPAL. But mm-hmm. why I think he's the the badge of the week is because during the supermarket stabbing that Pablo Mari, uh, the Arsenal player. Uh, in a Milan supermarket, was was stabbed by a by a mentally uh, a mentally um, ill person. Grabbed a knife in a supermarket and just went started attacking everyone there. But Tarantino and another person disarmed and held the attacker until the police arrived. So mm. for me, he's 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 my badge of, of the week. Um, but also, yeah, well you got. I mean, as we've already mentioned, as we already mentioned, um, Fagioli, Candreva, Lukman, Correa. Bastoni to Barella, these goals in the Serie A, one more beautiful than the other. Yeah, yeah. Also Baggio. Yeah, go along with all that. And obviously best wishes to everyone from that. And and uh, yeah, thank God that, I mean, obviously we had one fatality, that which is awful, but thank God that yeah. um, Pablo Marie was all right. Um, he's, yeah. And if it wasn't for Tarantino, he was a left-back, wasn't he, Massimo Tarantino? I, f- I think so. He was I a left-back. So. I remember him from, from Championship Manager. Um, yeah, I remember Bologna. Yeah. Yeah, but not yet. He was actually at Inter at the start of the season, but I don't think in real life, I don't think he, he quite made it in. So, but he was a he was a left-back yeah. for, for, for Inter on that game. Him and um, Luigi Sartor and uh, who was mm. the other left-back that they had that season? Um, Paramatti, no Paramatti. Paramatti wasn't Inter. He no, was not Bologna. Inter. Um, oh yeah, I'm thinking of Bologna because Tarantino played at Bologna, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking of Bologna. Cool. Yeah, no, no Paramatti. I wish Paramatti was an Inter player because he was at Juve and he was blimmin' awful at Juve. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Prem face, Prem face of the week. Right, I just want to say to start with it that Nima forced me to <laughs> to, to, to pick this one. I didn't want to. I didn't. I don't want to mention this guy ever again. He just, just, he's just weird. He's just pretty much as his name suggests. His name's Jamie Weir, but but I call him Jamie Weird because um, that's exactly what he is. And, and he's the the golf golf correspondent of the of Sky Sports. I think that's his his role. I mean, I don't watch golf. I don't like the sport. I think it's in a, it's a, it's in a posh elitist sport. I don't like it at all. So you know, I, I think that's what he does. But um, but yeah, he he um, yeah. So this guy is he's a Tottenham fan, um, happens to be a Tottenham fan, and he the guy is just literally obsessed with me. He just tweets and subtweets about me nonstop this year. He must have done it about fifteen times this year. 
um, all to do with, everybody knows about it, that the, the Kulosevsky Benton Kur tweet that I put out in January. And um, he just, just, just keeps tweeting about me. And I, I just thought, yesterday, I just thought, I've had enough of this now. I'm going to call him out. So I called him out and I just called him a weirdo, basically. And he got a bit upset about it. And yeah, just started, yeah, just, just very strange, very, very strange person. And, 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 a, and a I think this beef well. that you have, I think this beef that, that Spurs fans have with you, which is mainly Kulusevsky's fault, because he, again, the fact that he paid a social media manager, he even tagged the guy who did the video as if to like, bro, take your credits, take your bow. Yeah. You know, for that hype video, for finishing fourth, is one of the most bizarre situations that has ever happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh my dear! Oh yeah, my dear! It's just a loser mentality, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we finished fourth. It's just oh, so... oh, you were wrong, Paolo. Wow. Look at us. Benton Kur <laughs> scored a ninety-third minute header against Bournemouth. A ninety-third minute goal off a corner oh, against wait. Bournemouth. See, see, Carlo, you were wrong. I mean, it's it's just hilarious. Like every single time, one of those two scores a goal. In fact, I think Kulusevski only got one goal this season anyway. But every time one of them scores, well, or, been injured. Or, or does anything, you know, like does a sideways pass. So <laughs> I get. I get about a billion Tottenham fans all messaging me saying, "Oh, see, they're great," you know, and they keep demanding apologies, and it like it winds them up the fact that for I'm, what, I for what, I don't know. That's what losers they are. It's, I mean, it's like I know again. I'm not. I don't mean to. I've got lots of friends that are Tottenham fans, so I'm not. You know, but there is definitely within that fan. So why, to be honest, the definitely within that fan base, and I love. You know, I've got. I love. You know, I in fact, I actually. You know, even though I people know that Arsenal were my were my English team growing up. You know, I actually do have a bit of a soft spot for Tottenham because obviously Antonio Conte's there. There's a bit of an Italian connection there. Uh, you know, Glenn Hoddle was one of my one of my idols growing up as a player. I absolutely worshipped him as my my favourite English player of all time. Glenn Hoddle, absolute genius of a player. You Magical player. I love. I, I love that Tottenham team. They had a great team in the eighties when they had him and they had Ardiles and Ricky Villa. They had the the, the the two Argentines there, and you know they played great football, like European football in a, in a time when Everyone in England, every English team just played long ball. And, you know, and, and you know, so I, I have a lot of soft spots for them. But, you know, there is. I love that, I love, I love that the fan base. Man. Yeah. I love I was going to say, yeah. sorry, yeah, just want to say, but within that fan base, there is a massive inferiority complex within the Tottenham fan base because they haven't won anything. They haven't won anything for so long. They haven't won a, a, a league title for, for over 60 years that, you know, for them, they get so offended just with an opinion. And they get they get so you know they get so excited over something that really isn't a big deal. I mean, you finished fourth. Let's go and celebrate finishing fourth. Or you know, Benfica scored two goals. Listen. Let's 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 go and get all get excited about it. I mean, well, no, that's just loser mentality. If that's the, if that's what your standards are, that you're getting excited over finishing fourth and. and Benton Kerr having a good game, not a very good game, just a good game. Then you know that's just you're just a loser, really. Sorry. Look, I, I think the what Antonio no, but I think what Antonio Conte did last season was fantastic to get them into fourth, playing you know championship players, uh, quality uh, is is outstanding, and and I think it is a, it is an achievement. I think what he did to Kulusevski, and you know what I think. I think I've always thought that Kulusevski and Conte match made in heaven, right? Born. So it's yeah. Well, he born was born to, to play. He was born, born. conceived <laughs> conceived in a lab to play for Antonio Conte, and I mm-hmm. and I believe that. I fully believe that. But um, but the thing is, 
I think that this notion, the thing that I find so fascinating, almost like a, I almost study it, like I sit with a pen and paper and watch this happen. It's like, it's so fascinating to me that one tweet can turn, like one tweet jokingly saying, oh, Paratici's a genius. Because at the end of the day, Bentancur and Kulusevsky were fringe players at Juve. Juve got, played seven, got paid 70 million euros. With that money, they bought Vlaovic. And it was a good move for Bentancur and Kulusevsky. So everybody won on that deal. And and it's like that's that's what I took away from your tweet, and obviously a bit tongue in cheek, saying, "Oh, fantastic deal to get paid for two fringe players." But the fact that this hurt Kulusevsky first so much that he made they had a social media manager do a video about it, and that every time Bentango scores a goal or Kulusevsky scores a goal, and they haven't won a title, this becomes like, "Ha ha!" There you see, Carlo. I find that I find that absolutely fascinating. And incredibly entertaining to watch from afar. I just think it's hilarious. I'm sorry, but it's absolute what a shit show. Yeah, well, I just turned my mute on there. I'm, I'm not surprised that you find it funny. <laughs> you, you live for <laughs> stuff like that. Okay, that's all we have time yeah, it's, for. It's funny as hell. Yeah, it is. That's all we have time for today. We will be back on Tuesday for our QA episode, Thursday for our uh, review show. Um, also, you can you can catch us on YouTube as well. Um, just type in the search function Italian football podcast. Excuse me, and you will um, yeah you'll find us on there as well. Okay, uh, we will see you again on Tuesday. Until then, ciao ciao.